Hello, and welcome to another Sarasota Institute podcast. The Sarasota Institute is a 21st century think tank that is focused on 10 major topics we feel important for the future of humanity. Please go to sarasotainstitute.global to learn more. The Sarasota Institute is a nonprofit corporation. Hi, I'm Jason Voss, and this is the Sarasota Institute podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm one of the three co-founders, and today it's my pleasure to be welcoming Debbie Mason. She's the president of Tidewell Foundation and the vice president of the Tidewell Hospice. Welcome, Debbie. Welcome back to you, Jason. Thanks for hosting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. So so there's been a lot afoot since the last time I uh, checked in with you. Give us an update what's happened and why that's relevant to our conversation today. Well, since we last talked, the Tidewell Hospice and our family of companies uh, merged with Empath Health out of the Pinellas Hillsborough market. Um, and that's an exciting development that I'm looking forward to sharing with you and your listeners today. Yeah. And your point, I think, you know, was scale, right? So the scale of the organization, the size of the organization means there's footprint and relevancy to our conversation, not just, you know, hypothetically, this is interesting. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to insert here for our audience. This is one of the reasons why Sarasota Institute is kind of a cool idea because Sarasota is a world-class town. And I mean town, right? It's it's a, got a local feel, but we really do scale globally. And I think that ultimately that's that's why it's important that you you've merged with Empath. Well, you're exactly right. A lot of people didn't realize that Tidewell Hospice was already one of the largest not-for-profit hospice organizations in the country. You know, we've been around 41 years. We're we're like your neighbor in the street. You're used to us. You're comfortable with us, but you might not know everything about us. So in addition to providing world-class care in the four counties that we serve, we were already a national leader. Well, our neighbor to the north, Empath Health, also had a legacy hospice, Suncoast Hospice. That was the origins for that organization 43 years ago. And they, too, have a rich history of serving Pinellas County, and now in the last year going into Hillsborough County as well for hospice. And then there's so much more to the health system that evolved over the years from those hospices serving in those legacy communities and seeing other patient needs. Yeah. So let's let's dive in. Like for our audience, one of the reasons this is an interesting conversation is because of some of the cutting edge work that you're doing. I'm especially myself personally attracted to that word holistic that comes up a lot in the materials that Tidewell uh, communicates to the public. Talk to us about holistic and especially why is there a W on the front of holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C? You know, that's the constant debate among linguists, right? Does it have a W? Doesn't it have a W? Well, from our lens, that W is pretty important because it really is the whole person that we're caring for. Whether we're caring for 1,200 patients a day through Tidewell, wherever they are, we're also caring for the whole family. We're, we're providing direct patient care to the, to the patient, 
But that patient family is just as important to us. That whole environment that the patient sits in is just as important to us. It isn't just the medical condition of the patient that we're treating. We're treating their spirit, their mind, their mental health, their the, the family support that we offer for anticipatory grief and then grief after the, the patient passes. All of that is a real holistic approach. And through that lens, Jason, that's actually how we came to have other subsidiary companies. By taking that holistic approach, we saw there's so much more that patients and families need long before they get into hospice care and while they're in hospice care. So that led us to start home health companies to be able to provide those services. And I could go on and on, but that W is really important to us. It's the context of the environment, the person, the family, and everything they're dealing with, not just their physical symptoms. Yeah, love it. Uh, I've advised companies that are trying to change healthcare and the approach is holistic. So kudos and hats off to you guys. So talk to us about what inspired the mission statement. I'm talking about the mission statement of the Tidewell Foundation. Or who? It could be who who inspired it. It could be who inspired it too. Well, we're inspired every day by the more than 1,100 colleagues we have in our uh, legacy stratum parent company system. That's our home health, our Tidewell Hospice, and now stratum health has become Empath Health, and we have 2,500 colleagues, you know, serving many, many counties. But what inspired the mission statement and, and what we do every day at the Tidewell Foundation is perpetual support, providing perpetual support to Tidewell Hospice means supporting all those wonderful clinicians that go out every day and now they're going out again fully regaled in PPE to provide compassionate appropriate world-class medical care with such level of concern and and depth for families and much of what we provide at Tidewell Hospice is reimbursed by no one not by government not by insurance. So making sure that we have charitable dollars available as a not-for-profit to provide all those extra services that patients and families want to need and provide free services to the community like our free grief services program. That's what drives us every day. So our mission statement is that the Tidewell Foundation exists to provide perpetual support to Tidewell Hospice. Yeah, I especially, uh, you know, as a person who has a stepdaughter, right? I don't have, you know, natural children on my own. I think about being lonely at death sometimes. My wife is older than me. It's very likely uh, that I'm going to have exactly this issue. And I love the perpetual care. I love the no one be alone part of the mission statement. I think it's a, a beautiful choice on your part. Well, never alone has become a huge mantra for our entire health system because through the intimacy of what we provide for palliative and hospice care, we've learned that there's so many other things that people need. And we've also learned, particularly in our region, that many people move here, they don't have children at all, Jason, or they've outlived their children, or they've outlived their spouse, and they literally are alone. 
And no one wants to be sick alone. Everyone needs support. And certainly no one should have to die alone. That's, you know, as human beings, we don't want to see that for anyone. Yeah, of course, social creatures. So talk to us about some examples of the work that you're doing that's truly cutting edge. And it may not, I mean, first at the technology level for our audience, it's really interesting what you guys are doing, but then also just the philosophy of care as well. If you could hit those two notes, that'd be great. Sure. Well, let's start with philosophy because I think that drives everything. We're a very value-driven organization and care and compassion really is at the underlying core culturally of our organization. Um, I mean, you know, we've now merged with Empath Health. Think of the word empath, right? That's what we want to be in this healing and caring profession. So philosophically, that never alone drives a lot of our decisions of what could we be doing better? And, And, you know, merging with empath is a great example of that. It takes us to scale in so many ways, uh, particularly for what we call the back of house support functions. So the better those back of house functions are, the better and the easier our clinicians can serve patients. So that, you know, it's a full circle philosophically. And when we look at how we've been a leader in the industry, we're, we're way ahead of other hospice, home health, systems in recognizing that there are things that come before that, that affect people's life trajectory and their journey. Um, In addition to that, we look at the, the critical service map of what else do people need? And through that whole conversation and listening journey that we've been doing, we've learned that often people are alone in their homes and they lack the support that they need, and that maybe technology can play a role in that. Yeah, wonderful. And I, I know from you know investigating and preparing for our conversation today, some of the interesting technologies, uh, name one, like, like I'm talking about literally on the ground, couldn't be more roll up your sleeves, some of the interesting things you're doing to provide great care. Okay, so I've got a couple that we're already doing, and then one we're excited to to sort of a test, if you will. Uh, We started actually pre-pandemic, but ramped up more quickly during COVID-19, the use of iPads um, to communicate and provide telehealth um, and to stay in touch more frequently and with greater depth with patients when we couldn't be there face-to-face. We also found that many of them were socially isolated and very, very old and not comfortable with technology. So literally, as we were going into their homes or their retirement homes or wherever they were based, we could use our iPads to connect them to their family because they literally lacked the knowledge and abilities to do that. So they could have socialization to help break through some of the depression since they couldn't see people in person. In addition to that, we also... uh, started using virtual reality headsets. And that can be a single experience or you and I could do that together. So imagine that you and your spouse, one of you is in our care, the other one um, is visiting, um, and maybe you're in a different room because of isolation of COVID, or maybe you're in the same room in non-COVID times. The two of you always wanted to go to Paris for your anniversary. 
Now you're not going to get to do that. We can literally put those virtual reality headsets on and dial up a tour of Paris for you. And you all can have that intimate experience together. Very, very interesting. Um, And what's interesting to me about it is putting the patient at the center of healthcare rather than the payment system or, you know, all the other things that are crazy about the healthcare system. All right. So let's move on. Um, How are you measuring success? Right. So one criticism, perhaps in our audience's mind, oh, this is lovely, but this, you know, how do you measure success for such a humane and and human approach to healthcare? How How are you guys doing it? Well, through the foundation lens, we do that in a couple of different ways. The first is our ability to create partnerships that raise dollars because we need to raise you know, more at a minimum $4 million a year. And we'd like to raise a lot more to be able to launch some of the other great technologies we have planned. Um, but the real measure is how many lives are we impacting and how are we impacting those lives? So here's a good example of that. Um, Title Hospice is the community's grief service provider. So we serve about 10,000 patients a year in Title Hospice, and all of those patients and families have access to grief services. In addition to that, we serve everyone in our region who has a loss from any kind of death, and they weren't in the Title Hospice system. And that's about 8,500 families a year. So that might be someone who had a miscarriage. That might be someone who lost a spouse to sudden stroke, heart attack. You know, you could go through the list, car accident, whatever it is. Um, Those services are for free. And next year, we're anticipating that those services will will take about uh, a million and a half dollars to provide because that also includes our Blue Butterfly evidence-based grief program for children who have lost a parent or a sibling. So lives impacted, how are lives impacted? And then a lot of the money that the Tidewell Foundation raises gets invested back into Tidewell Hospice for charity care and for services to patients that no one wants to pay for, but we know improve the quality of life that they have left and reduce pain. Yep. Thank you very much for sharing that. So final question, and thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Why aren't more organizations doing this? I'm very curious, right? It seems like, it just seems like the Hippocratic Oath ought to be the the way that healthcare is organized, but many organizations are not structured this. Why aren't more in your opinion? I think there's a couple of factors at play with that. Um, The first is the, quality of your board leadership. Our our board of trustees across the organization for every one of our healthcare companies is uh, really central to the vision of where we're going. They're, They're intimately involved. They understand the business side of the organization, but what brings them to us is their heart and their passion for impacting even more lives. So they understand as a not-for-profit that we have a responsibility to go where others don't want to go because it's not profitable and to lead into opportunity and and to take risk 
You know, not everything we do may be a home run success, but if we're doing it because it expands our mission, then it's the right thing to do. That puts a little more pressure on the foundation side of things to go out there and raise those donor dollars to make sure that we can do those things. But it's also very exciting. This week, we unpacked two Temi robots. And, um, you know, if you remember watching the Jetsons, there was a little robot that scooted around the house and did everything. That's what they look like, literally. I'm dating myself with the Jetson analogy, but <laughs> I think your listeners will get it. So, you know, that's a risk on our part. How are we going to use those Temis? How are they going to impact the quality of life for our patients on the home care side, the hospice side, and even further upstream long before people need either of those services? Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Debbie. And thank you also the audience for joining us today. If you would like to uh, see this or any of our other podcasts, we're now literally almost everywhere, but you can also go to sarasotainstitute.global. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please go back to where you downloaded this podcast to find another one that might be of interest to you. Thank you.